0: For such a small letter, Second Peter is giving me all kinds of trouble because there's so much there. And I want to make sure that we can take it all in and not be overwhelmed with the implications because Peter says, in your faith, Supply yourself with the nature of God. You say, what? And, you know, Christianity does make demands on us. Jesus said, you shall be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And you go, what? Where am I going to get that? And, you know, you might get the impression that God only saves those who can save themselves. And losers and weenies need not apply. doesn't give you much hope. But what Peter is talking about this morning is liberating. And it's exciting, and it is relieving. Being a Christian does not depend on your own ability. It depends on Jesus himself living in you. And God made you to work in this way. He made you to depend upon Jesus. That's the normal operating life. It's part of being a new creation in Christ. You supply yourself through the promises that God gives you. So let's read in 2 Peter 1 from verse 5. Peter says, But also, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. So, the supplying to yourself is there in verse 5, add to your faith, add to your That's the word supply. And he's saying, supply this to yourself. Add it to you. And there's a reason for this. And the reason that you are to supply this to yourself or add it to yourself is because God has already given it to you. Now, in verse 3, it says, His divine power has given To us. And then in verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. This word is used twice in these two verses, and it means given as a gift. Given as a gift. I like receiving gifts. Was that an amen? That's an amen. I like it when the doorbell rings and the package is for me. But a lot of times, the doorbell rings and the package is not for me. Here, your package came. <laughs> but here's God giving as a gift. The doorbell rings. It's God Who's it for? It's for you. Wahoo. That's the difference. Now, you can't pay for a gift. Did you know that? If you pay for a gift, you insult the giver. Because he wanted to be generous and give it to you. And you're saying, well, I'll pay you for it. And for a gift like this, it's totally insulting because you could never, pay for it. So you just receive it, and you say thank you. And what it says here is that God has given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through his promises. Here's everything, and God says, I've given it to you, here's how I've given it to you, by my promises. They're exceedingly great. That is, the greatest. There are no greater ones. And they're precious beyond value because they're true. God swears by himself and says, This is what I will do for you. So you come to God and say, Well, would you do for me what you promised? You said it. It's not like any of us could take God and make Him do this. You know, you know the move? So you' got his arm and he got his neck and said, say it? Say it. Oh, OK. Oh, all right. Now do it. Oh man. Have you ever tried that? How far do you get? Okay, so if God wasn't given this stuff, we couldn't get it. But He is. Isn't that thrilling? Excites me. Now, the other side to this coin is that there is no alternative. There is nothing to receive anywhere else. Did you know that? Because. By way of recap, Peter says everything that's in the world is corruption and lust. And lust is just desire. Desire in itself is not bad. But in this world, desire is corrupted to long for things to do what God says he will promise. It's not reasonable to expect a thing to do what only God can do. That's called idolatry. This thing, give me life! Well, it can't. Or if it can, just a little bit, and then it runs out. So, here we are suffering from desire and... The things in this world tantalize. Now that's a nice word. You need to learn this word. Because to be tantalized means you can see it, but you can't grab it. And it says, Here I am. Come on and get me. And you go, hmm, ah, oh, missed it this time. I'll try it again. Mm. And every time you get a little closer, it gets a little more out of reach. Come on. So you go, "Hmm." you still don't get it. But what happens if you actually make that jump and you get it? Whoa, I got it. But you can't keep it. See, here's the problem. All the pushy people in the world and all the conquerors and all the agendas, every single one of them is going to win. Black Lives Matters is going to win. and They're going to force everybody to their own agenda. So is the LGBTQ. They're going to win. And the communists are going to win. And the Taliban is winning. China is going to win. Pick your poison. They're all going to win. But guess what? They can't keep it. Be free, guys. Go after what you can't keep and ruin the earth and ruin people while you get it. But guess what? You can't keep it. Even as you win, you lose. The meek are still going to inherit the earth. Is it fair to gloat even now? No, it's really sad because here you are expending all this energy to maintain and grasp and take and you can't keep it no matter what you do. It's going to slip right through your fingers and you lose your own soul. There is no alternative to God. None at all. If you look... Elsewhere than God, you're wasting your life. Does everybody get that? Now, the key here in verse 5 to supplying yourself, he says, add to your faith. Supply and faith. We're going to look at these two words for a second, because it's crucial. Everything hangs on this. And you remember, this is the same precious faith that the Apostle Peter has. This is the way he lives. This is the way we're to live. All right? Add, supply. This is the first thing we're going to look at, and I love this word. You've heard of game geeks, right? I'm kind of a Greek geek. It rhymes. And I love this word, and I'll tell you why I love this word. This word for ad is a Greek word, and the word of it is epikorigio. Gee, Rob, why do you love that word? Epi, or epi, means it's an intensive. And korrigio it means to lead a chorus. A group of performers, like in the Greek dramas and comedies and plays and all, there would be a chorus, a group of performers whose job it is to comment on the action and talk and, and insert themselves. All right? So you, you don't have one actor, you have an entire group of performers. And Epic was a guy who was rich enough to be a patron of a performing group. So he's not supporting one guy. He has enough to support the entire group. All right? Now, the reason I like this word is because I learned it at a time when my father was not impressed with me. I was playing in a Christian rock band, full-time and I was not making any money and I was living at home with my parents and when you're 26 years old living with your parents in the United States of America you might as well wear a t-shirt that says loser and my father would come to me and say how much money did you make on the concert last night and I would say I didn't make anything and he goes well how are you gonna make it and I would say I don't know. He says, what happens when you get married? I don't know. What happens when you have kids? I don't know. And then he would make this parental noise. <sighs> and that would just smash me flat. And he would walk away, and I would go, I'm going to die. What is this? Okay? Okay. At least, why do I have to do it here with my parents? Couldn't I live somewhere else? And seriously, this is what God told me. The people who take care of you, I'm going to bless. Just like I blessed the widow who took care of Elijah. Now, if I want to bless your parents, what business is it of yours? Okay, but this is another story for another time. I'll tell you how that one came out later. As I was just studying my Bible. Not because I'm a pastor or anything, but I'm reading it, I'm studying it, and I come across this word in Philippians 1, 19. The supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And I go, well, what's that? And I looked it up. And it's the word epikarigio. The Holy Spirit has enough to supply... An entire group of performers. Get it? As I'm doing the Christian rock thing, God is telling me, I am going to support you. And it was just that time that my dad comes in to ask the questions. And I said, Dad, I want you to look at this word here in the Bible. It's the word epicurigio. And it means that God is able to support an entire band of performers. What do you think, Dad? He didn't know what to make of that. And he walked off. Now, my parents lived to see God take care of me and get married and have kids. And God's taken care of me. See? So I have proved That this word is true about God. That's why I like this word. And see, God has more than enough to supply to you. That's what this word means. Does everybody get that? All right. The other word we got to understand here is the word faith. Now, faith means. To depend on something, like everybody depended on their cars to get them here, right? By faith, (laughs) please start in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Or it means to depend on somebody or yourself. Isn't that what people say to you? They say, come on, believe in yourself. Okay, but you know, you can go to that car and really depend on it. Got to go, no fooling. Car lets you down. But you can depend on somebody, right? No, they let you down too. Well, I'm going to depend upon myself, but guess what? I let myself down. Dang. But when you depend upon God, he does not let you down. He doesn't let you down. Now, biblical faith is not an energy. Some people want to teach faith like it's an energy that accomplishes things, and if you have not a faith, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be cast into the sea, and I speak it in the name of Jesus. And I announce this, and I declare that. You don't see that, declaring junk, in the Bible. And Jesus said, all you need is enough faith like a mustard seed. Depending upon God. That's what biblical faith is. It expresses the degree of relationship between people. And if you depend upon God, that's faith. It's not an energy. It's not power. It's helplessness. It's dependence. It's God or nothing. Now, when we depend upon God, we're not depending on ourselves. You can't depend on yourself and God at the same time. All right? So biblical faith does not depend on your ability, your skills, your anything except your depending on God. That's what biblical faith is. Does everybody get that? All right. Biblical faith is, is really on, the, the weight of this is on the character of the one promising. It's not, am I faithful? It's, is God faithful? And the answer is, yeah. It's not, can I do this? Biblical faith says God can do this. Now this is how Abraham trusted God. To have a son when he's 99 years old. This is what Paul says in Romans 4. And not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he says to God, well, not much here to work with. I guess you're going to have to raise me from the dead. But you could do that. You're God. I'm not going to raise myself from the dead because, well, I'm dead. So it's all you and not me. Come on, Sarah, let's get a cup of coffee and celebrate. Because you're gonna be a mother. So this is this is gonna be good. So you should be able to trust God because of his character, right? Is God a liar? Is he a deceiver? Is he a cheat? Is he out for himself? No. You know what? He's eternal. He never changes. So, God is not sometimes. He's not unpredictable. He is eternal and unchanging. So, we get to praise God because our lives are based upon Him. And we say, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is shifting sand. All other ground is shifting sand. So, by add, you understand that God has plenty to give. And by faith, you understand that it's God's show. He's got to provide. It's up to Him. All you're doing is depending on Him. Now, what we want to notice here in verses 5 to 7 is that God is basically giving us, giving you, Himself. These great And precious promises are that you may be partakers of the divine nature. You get to share in the nature of God. And you know, there's nothing material in these seven attributes. It's only spiritual. There's no health here there's no wealth, and there's no prosperity. Isn't that weird? Some guys who teach faith say God wants you healthy and wealthy and prosperous, but it's not here. Now, if it was important, it would be here, but it's not. You know why health and prosperity And wealth and all that stuff, it's temporary. And you may not need that. You know, sometimes Jesus wants you to be broke. And he wants you to be sick. Now this is really hard, because it doesn't fit our theology. We want God to bless us. And you know... Paul, he prayed three times, take this spike away from me. I could serve you so much better without it. And God says no to an apostle. Apostles don't get their way. They got to live with no, just like the rest of us. So there's something more important going on than this material thing. And you know, it's small change to God. It's not the big deal. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's not a big deal. You know what it is? It's a byproduct of living the right way. It's not the main thing. And if you don't have the main thing, The byproduct cannot help you. It'll be a hindrance. So God will provide. He will do that. But the real issue is that God wants to make you like Christ so that he is the firstborn among many brethren. And if at the end of this life you don't resemble Jesus, you have missed the whole point in life. You have wasted your life. You have blown it up. You missed everything in life. So here are seven interrelated attributes of God that he is sharing with you. They all hang together. They're not isolated. Peter didn't pick this list of seven attributes because, oh, I don't know, six. I need one more. What do I, uh, can anybody think of a seventh? He wasn't just floundering. There's a reason and a relation for every attribute. Now, he says, add to your faith, that's the ability to receive, virtue. Virtue. Did you ever in your life think, man, I really need virtue? I wouldn't have thought of that. And the word itself, virtue, some translations you have say moral excellence. And that's kind of it. But really the idea is excellence. Um, superior. Transcendent, surpassing, and it even has the idea of obvious, conspicuous. That means all you got to do is look at that and you go, Wow, that's amazing. The reason why this is first is because this is what God is. Do you notice? In, in verse three. It says, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Glory belongs to God and so does virtue. This tremendousness, this amazingness, this wow. Now, God is superior. In him, there's no evil, no darkness, no shadow, He dwells in unapproachable light. God is superior in how he thinks. He's superior in what he says. He is superior in what he does. Now, you know, if God lives in you, your life should be superior. It should be awesome. People looking at you would would go, Wow, that's amazing. Now, are you trying to be awesome so everybody can look at you like you're on TikTok or something? You know what I'll do. I'll shave my head half, dye the other half blue, grow my fingernails out, and then I'll just be somebody fabulous. That's not what we're talking about here. It's sort of like the reaction you get from looking at an amazing waterfall like Niagara or the Grand Canyon or the moon. You go, wow. The moon is not trying to be fabulous. The moon is fabulous and amazing. And when God lives in your life, your life is to be superior. Conspicuous. You are a city on a hill. You're not to be hidden. You're to be visibly awesome, but not because of you. Because God is visibly awesome in you. Doesn't that make sense? Your life should be better than somebody who God doesn't live in them. So live this little shriveled, dark, and wretched life because there's no light in them. But you have the light of life in you. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. Well, okay. Did you get scared on that one? That's only attribute number one. Peters number 2 in your superiority of life you are to supply yourself knowledge and it's the knowledge that you learn by experience and you can see the relation because if your life is superior then it follows that you have knowledge it's inferior to be ignorant right Now, our lives are to be characterized by knowledge, first of all, of God. Knowing Him by experience. Not just knowing about Him, but knowing Him by experience. And this is the highest knowledge to know God. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom." And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. God intends that we know Him, the Holy One, by experience. Proverbs 28, verse 5. Evil men do not understand justice. But those who seek the Lord understand all. the gentlemen running our country do not understand justice. They're talking about vaccine passports. That's not just. Period. But those who seek the Lord understand all. Psalm 119, 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, Make me wiser than my enemies, for they're ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. Now this knowledge works at all times, in all places, in all times, because it's God's knowledge and wisdom. He is the truth. Out of your knowledge, supply self control. And you can see how they relate. If you're excellent and you know God, then you need self control to say no to something that leads you away from God. You know, this is not going to work if I go this way, this is stupid. And so you have to say no to yourself and make it stick. Because it's no good to say no and then go ahead and do it anyway. You know that those who practice sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you say to yourself, come on. No, 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 no. But you also say yes by self-control. And that is, when it's time to witness for Jesus and the temptation is to say no, you say yes. And when it's time to suffer for the sake of Jesus, you say yes. Because it'd be easier to say, I don't want it. So you learn how to say to yourself, no. And then you say, yes. In your self-control, you also supply perseverance. Now that's the ability to remain in a difficult situation and to put up with the difficulty and not let it stop you. And you can see how it relates. It's no good to know the right thing and to be excellent and to have self-control but not continue. To give up saying yes and no to yourself. And. Paul says, you know, everybody runs in a race, but only one wins the prize. You've got to run in order to win the prize. And the one who wants to win exercises self-control in all things. So it all works together. And you know, this is the very perseverance of Jesus. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured the opposition of sinners. It's the same word used twice there in Hebrews 12. So you know he knows how to do this and he supplies it to us. Now in your perseverance you supply to yourself godliness. And the Greek word doesn't have God in it. It really means devotion. And it is to be Devoted to God, committed to him. This is also Jesus. You know, he he went to the temple, he looked at it, and he made himself a whip, and he started using it, and he says, get out of here. My father's house is to be a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And his disciples remembered, zeal for your house will consume me. That's it. This commitment and zeal for God. And you know, God is the highest priority in in your life. So you're going to be committed. You're not going to have any other gods before him. Your life is going to reflect his life. Now, from your devotion to God, you supply Brotherly kindness. And that makes perfect sense. If you're devoted to God, you're going to be devoted to all those who are born of God. That means all the brethren. We really are brethren and sistren. Because we really are born again. We really share the Holy Spirit between us. And so we really do... Have a priority for one another. Now, from your brotherly kindness, you supply love. And that makes perfect sense. See, we not only lay down our lives for the brethren, but we can actually love our enemies. People who aren't born again. Treat everybody the same. Love everybody. Now, you see, that is a tall call there. I can't do that. But see, God can. Only God can do this. Only God can do these other things. Every single one of them is impossible, okay? So only when God lives in you can you do it. All right. Everybody sufficiently compressed and bummed out? It's it's really still in here and everybody is a little nervous because you're thinking, how am I going to do this? Either we enter into this life or we don't. And see, the reason I read that bit in Hebrews was it is exactly the same situation that we're in. See, God brought Israel right up to the promised land and says, now we're going to go in and take it. And they said, well, let's send 12 spies to go spy it out. Okay. So they did. They spent 40 days looking at the land, and they came back with this one cluster of grapes that was so big that it had to take two guys to carry it. And they said, this land is phenomenal. There is no lack of anything in this land at all. Now, 10 spies said, we can't go in there because if we go in there, we're going to get killed. We can't do this. Two spies, Joshua and Caleb, says, God is giving us this land. Therefore, we're going to go in and take this thing because if God is pleased with us, then he will deliver this land to us. Now, the ten spies were only half right. It is impossible without God. And yet they were virtual atheists and acted as if there was no God right there in the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night right there. And they say, we can't do this. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go in there and do it. God's going to do it. And you know, they proved that this is true. They proved it does not depend on them. You know how they proved it? With their own bodies. Because they had to spend 40 years in the wilderness. And when they came back, They're 85 years old. Now, are 85-year-old guys that fearsome? 85-year-old guys going to conquer a land? The answer is yes. Caleb says, you know what? I am just as strong now as I ever was. I'm 85 years old, man. What is this? That's exactly right. 85-year-old guys conquered Israel. Doesn't even depend on how old you are. You old fogies. Doesn't matter. All that matters is what does God say? So, you know what? God does not want you to think I can't be superior. See, a bunch of you just let yourselves out on the first one. You said, superior. (laughs) I can't do that. Therefore, the rest of this list does not apply to me because I can't even get to the first one. See? But it's not your superiority. It's God's superiority. If he wants to be superior in you, What business is that of yours? Now, you know, the angel said to Mary that you're going to conceive and have a child, and he will be great, and he will be the Messiah. And she says, How's that going to happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel says, the power of God is going to overshadow you, and you will bear a son. And she said, Okay. Be it done to your bond servant according to the word of the Lord. And that's our position. I don't know how it's going to work. That's not my job. My job is to say Be it done to me according to your word. Now, Peter has seven things for you to ask God for. That's all you got to do. So let's pray for them right now. Heavenly Father, we understand that it's not in us today to be excellent. But we're going to ask you, in Jesus' name, that you would give us your own excellence and your own knowledge, your own self-control, your own perseverance, your godliness and devotion. your brotherly kindness and your love. You be amazing in us. And let everyone else just marvel at what you do in my life for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.